This episode of the Android Central Podcast is brought to you by MintSim, the best way to get cheap 4G LTE data in the U.S. Be sure to use code ACFREESHIP for free first-class shipping on any MintSim purchase. Hello, everyone. Alex, Phil, hey. uh, the entire city of Berlin, Germany. We are live at the wonderful Marriott Hotel. We are live at the wonderful Marriott Well, yeah. So, Alex, tell me how you're feeling. You are feeling alive. Uh, just about alive. It's been a busy week. Um, we're actually heading into the, the EVA week proper now, where the show is actually open. But for us, a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, obviously, has already happened. So, it's uh, we're, we're sort of winding down here in Berlin. And as I remember that I did not say what day it is, but that it is September 1st, 2017. How did that happen already? Yeah, wow. And um, as I mentioned that, Phil. Yes. You are here. I am here. Triumphant return. You've been on the podcast semi, somewhat recently. Every now and then, yeah. We did a thing on uh, Connected Home Stuff with, with me and Micah Sargent and, and Bader. And, and remind me, we'll get back to talk about that for a moment. It's actually, mm-hmm. yeah, like outside the phone well. stuff, that's the big narrative. It's kind here. of relevant, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's just hop right into it because you say outside of the phone stuff, but there's a lot of phone stuff happening. Yes, um, and it's weird because Ephra traditionally has been like on and off on phones, but yep. it's been they've been back, phones are back this year. And so LG decided that well, they decided months ago <laughs> that they were going to start talking about the V30 just kind of openly as they do. Yeah. That's how they've always done it. Yeah, exactly. And so the, it finally came to a head where they actually had their event first phone launch for LG at IFA? Uh, first phone, yeah. I th- yeah, first phone, I mean, I, I've been to the like V20, six IFAs, I should remember this. Yeah, the V20 yeah. was right after, the V10 was I want to say, yeah, the V20 was, as well. was immediately after we actually saw it here first. But um, yeah, so this is the big big deal for them. And they're actually taking the place of Samsung, kind of, in that um, they are the big phone announcement of IFA. It used to be Samsung's show. It the first be, couple notes were here. Yeah, the first note was announced here. Went that way right up until Note 5 or something like that. So it was, it, it had traditionally always been, been about the big, sort of powerful, um, enthusiast-level phones. Um, and, you know, fitting that we have the V30 now, which has always been LG's answer to the Note. Um, well, not always. I mean, this is only the third iteration, but it's only like two years in that lineage. Well, yeah, so it was kind of this thing of, they, you could say they're late to the game of when they were going to start challenging the note when yeah. they realized that this was a thing. You remember they did do the LG View. That's Poland. what it was called. We were trying to remember the name. The uh, big square one that was just not good. Sure, everyone listening remembers the LG View. I was I was actually in Seoul. It's a BlackBerry Passport without the keyboard. I, I, <laughs> was, I was in Seoul with LG right as that came out, whatever year that was. And you remember seeing them because they were always plugged in because the battery was so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turned out that that weird form factor wasn't conducive to having a big battery. Yeah. So they, I, th- that's a perfect example. Going from the View to then the V10 and the V20 and the V30, these phones don't share a whole lot in the end. If you line them up, especially between the V10 and the V30, mm. which Alex is uh, gently holding in his hand currently, you, th- other than the fact that they're all in the V series technically... This is much more like a G series phone than a V series. Yeah, let's go back. The V10 was a beast, right? Yeah. <laughs> it had these metal sides, and they built it that way. Stainless steel. These these stainless steel sides, and like this, I forget the name of the rubber duraskin. Duraskin. It was a horrible name. It was so bad. This coating, and it, but you felt like you could. I, I carried it with me to China mm. when I when I had it because I knew I could you know, abuse it and it would be just fine. And then the V20 was a little more normal ish, and and now the V30 is very much like. Bigger, better G6. Yeah, and it's it's funny to look at the history of LG over the years, trying to have the answer to that really solid second line of phones the way Samsung always has with the Note. Uh, and they tried to, you know, they had the View, they had um, G Flex, G Flex 2. You know, they, oh, they tried yeah, all this G-Flex, weird yeah. stuff, and eventually, hey, turns out people just want a good phone that's slightly bigger. And that's what we have here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's a V30, it's still in the V series, but um, I don't think you can really look at this and not just come away with the impression that it is um, as as much a successor to the G6 as anything else in LG's lineup. It's not replacing it. It'll still be no. that. Uh, yeah, at a, at a but I would buy this over the G6. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's pr- pricing, you'd imagine, would be radically different. The v, uh, G6 has already been and that's probably discounted. that's probably why they drove that price down so quickly. Yeah, with, that, with that, that is the interesting thing is th- this is, I mean, if they... If LG keeps on this uh, cadence, I mean, this is 
just in the, what I guess, seven, eight months here, because you remember the G6 was pretty early in the year, this is a massive improvement. It's not just a refinement. They, you know, it's not like they just took the G6 and kind of right, so what, what, shaved it down a little bit. What's better? Because some of the internals will sound similar, but... Of course. they. I mean, of course, they moved up to the Snapdragon 835. Like, that was just going to happen. Mm. They went to a slightly larger display. But I think it's just in the build of it. It's Samsung-y. I mean, that's just right off the top. But they shrunk the bezels down even more. They went to an OLED screen that lets them curve the glass on the top mm-hmm. and just very just barely curve the edges of the panel. So it's the only real curves on the side is the border of the panel, really. Yeah, it's, it's mostly you, just the border, but it means that the phone is a little bit narrower. So it's barely larger than the G6, and it has a, what is it, 6-inch display instead of 5.7. Yeah, so it's bigger, but it's not that much bigger. And it's interesting to look at what they've done with the OLED compared to Samsung, and it's easy to see this design, the fact that, oh, it's only ever so slightly curved at the edges and criticize that. But So it makes... It's like, I don't know how much of this feltness comes from the fact that they're, they went OLED. We know that OLED takes up less room because it, it takes up less uh, Z depth and it let them do this little curving thing. Maybe that's just kind of what enabled the Samsungization of the whole design. I mean, the fact that they went back to having an OLED screen? Uh, possibly, but uh, I mean, a lot of people complain about the curve on the Samsung phone being... Uh, too much, too, yeah, too yeah. too much, and actually interfering with touch input. But this least. doesn't have that problem. It really doesn't. Saying. And okay, you have you have a side bezel. There is a pronounced side bezel there. I but... don't think I'd call it the Samsung Samsung is Samsungization. Samsungization. <laughs> Samsungization. I don't. I don't think I'd say they've gone that far. They obviously borrowed a little bit of it, mm-hmm. but I think it's a totally different feel. It's a totally different look to the display on those edges. Um, it's it's more. It's way more subtle. It's definitely more subtle. I think Samsung's easier to hold because it has a little really? ridge. It has really? that little ridge on the edge where the. It's also narrower. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's. Mm. I, I would disagree with that. I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the curve of the sides is just different enough from. The and you've curve used it longer. The, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, for the curve of the screen, Portal. I think. I think the. I mean, the in-hand feel was something that they were underscoring quite heavily at the the briefing that we went to I, as something that makes it... I like the hell out of this phone. i got to get one. Which is a massive improvement over the V20 as well, which was very unwieldy. It, yeah, unwieldy, slippery, and it was, yeah, they were trying to still trying to do this removable battery thing. It just... It, on a lot of levels, it was obvious in terms of design that was that whole thing was just a dead end. And so one thing that strikes me about this phone that um, Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, as you may know him, was talking about is how damn light the thing is. It's, it's only like yeah. it's only 155 grams. Uh, it's something like that, yeah. And going from the G6, which I'm, I forget the actual numbers, may actually be heavier. Than may this. actually be. Um, the Galaxy S8 Plus is 25 grams heavier. I mean, obviously, it's the essential phone, right? That's the yeah, same comparison thing. There it feels mm-hmm. so much heavier in the hand. Of course, it's nice to have a phone that feels substantial sometimes, but um, yeah, when you have something that has premium materials like this, that does feel. Just, yeah, it, it doesn't. I don't it's think it, light. It's, it's. I'm not light. saying that it feels cheap. I just think it's. It strikes you when you pick it up. You're like, wow. You expect it to be to actually weigh you down a bit more. Sure, because the G6 is a bit more dense in that way, and of course has more metal because of yeah. how much thicker it is and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But one thing I, I keep noticing because I'm sitting across a um, Marriott hotel ironing board from you. Is Marriott is, paying for this podcast yet? They for your rooms. Yeah. yeah, we're paying them for this. They got podcast. great ironing boards. Is your finger keeps landing on the fingerprint sensor yeah, because it's, it's where it's, it belongs. It, it's funny how that happens. Yeah, and actually, it's, it's funny we've been talking about using this phone, and I've been using an SA Plus and a bunch of other phones. That which is year. actually taller than this phone. Which is taller than this phone. Um, when I first started using this, I was just because of the like visual resemblance. I would start pick it up. I would hard press where the home key should be. Nothing would happen, or I would reach to the side of the camera, thinking that's where the fingerprint scanner should be. And actually, it's been nice when my so G6 muscle memory is kicked in and you can actually hit, you know. Samsung's fingerprint placement is bad. I, and I think yeah. Samsung will tell you that. Too. Even all the way down on the small Galaxy it's, S8. It's, it's a big obvious compromise that yeah. LG obviously doesn't have to deal with in this. So. And so the interesting thing here is that they managed to not just have a fingerprint sensor there. It's a good one, obviously. Mm-hmm. It also in- integrates the power button. So there's extra housing around that, 
which still throws me off every time I go back to an LG phone. I'm just glad the volume keys aren't back there anymore. I can deal with the, the power button. But it also didn't get in the way of having still a 3,300 milliamp hour battery in this thing. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, dual cameras. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people talk, the fa- uh, talk about the fact that, okay, same size battery as the G6. G6 had okay battery life, I think. Yeah. Um, but obviously... Let's say it's uh, just above average. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. it depends what you're doing, I guess. But Sure. So people may assume that this phone would get similar battery life or, or worse battery life than the... Uh, the G6 just based on the fact that it has a larger screen or whatever. But of course, you have that more efficient processor in it now. Yep. Um, you would imagine the OLED screen is going to be more efficient than... Um, Maybe a little bit. Yeah, or at least comparable. So, um, I mean, nothing tests a show like... Nothing tests a phone like a trade show. And I've not yet had trouble getting through a full day on this thing. It's... Uh, Dang. And we, yeah, we should say, every everything we say about this phone is based on pre-production... Yeah, uh, devices. So things may change. Things will get polished up as we as mm-hmm. we approach release. So I have used the V30, but only only briefly. What's up with this camera? There's some talk about it because it's not just a straight up G6 camera. It they, isn't. They've changed almost everything about it. Uh, one of the yeah, one of the things you get from all the crazy experimentation that LG does is sometimes you hit on an idea that just works really well and is really popular, and the the wide angle camera that they brought in with the G5 was one of those things. Um, and it's, yep, it's back in the V30. Um, both cameras are actually quite significantly improved. You've got a 16 megapixel main, 13 megapixel secondary. Um, and for anyone who cares about this stuff, because I know people like to dig in specs like this, uh, the sensor for the main camera is actually the same sensor that is used in the front-facing camera of the HTC U11. So I make of that what you will. It, it And actually... This my response was shaking my hand. Yeah, I mean, it's it it, me, it kind of means nothing. It's easy to look at that and say, okay, maybe using a front facing camera in, in a in your main camera isn't that bad. But LG has proven that they they can use these um, you know run of the mill off the shelf sensors and actually get really great performance out of mm-hmm. them thanks to OIS, thanks to the brighter lens, uh, and that's something that's happened again with the, the G6. So I know some people the B30. Yeah, some people haven't been super high on the G6's camera, but I'm super high on the G6's DX, camera. Uh, DxO Mark has not been super high. On, uh, well, I mean, the, the, I don't. Say maybe somebody they, once they wrote something saying doesn't yeah. really matter what DxO Mark thinks. Uh, somebody's meeting them tomorrow <laughs> here in Berlin, so, so we'll, uh, we'll see what they have to say. So, <laughs> and that was a situation in which, like you were saying, the G6 on paper, the sensor not that mm-hmm. great in the main camera, but turned out to do yeah, really, so really well. I, and what I was, they did change it, but... What I was getting to in a very rambly roundabout way is that, okay, you have the same basic situation in terms of, okay, they're using off-the-shelf sensors and they're differentiating it through the lens, through the OIS, and um, through the really great processing that they have. Um, so, uh, you know, this is just after two days, so we'll have to wait and see two days of pre-production devices. Uh, main camera is solid. I think it has it like a slight tendency to underexpose a little bit. Um, but what's actually improved me and what I've enjoyed using the most about this camera uh, over the past couple of days is just the fact that the quality of the wide angle has gone up noticeably hmm. uh, compared to the G6. And so, some of that was they got rid of some of the distortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, so the, the curvature on the outside. I kind of like that, actually. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a neat look. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I if you look at uh, one of the recent pictures I tweeted probably by the time this goes out, uh, of um, I Michael, just retweeted it of Michael Fisher, yeah, or or, or read Phil's retweet um, of Michael Fisher and Andrew picking up some burgers. Well, yeah, Burgermeister. I, I, we got to set context here. So <laughs> okay, there, there's this burger chain here in Berlin called Burgermeister. Yeah, and there's this one really awesome location of it. What did it used to be? It used to be a public toilet. You know, like yeah, we don't have many of those in the Not states. Not recently, so you know, I, right. I have no idea how recently. But <laughs> Not it's like within good, the, the lifespan of it being a burger. It's joint. good, like burger joint type stuff like we yeah. have in the States. Love it. So it is really good at two in the morning. And it's like right under these train tracks and just quintessentially German, sort of. I love it. It's so good. We went last year for the first time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a photo opportunity. Yeah. So we're there last night and we get like 5 million burgers. We had too many people. And, and Andrew and Fisher go to pick them up. And instead, like they're waiting for Alex to take the picture. And the guy behind the window is just, yeah, pick up your burgers. That's exactly because he's got because he's yes. got a lineup of fifteen other the, orders behind the German him. accent of Phil Nickinson. Yes, um, but he got so, the shot. Anyway, anyway. To, 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 get, to get my point, you the can picture. actually see you can actually clearly see Michael and Andrew, and they're not distorted at all. 
uh, on the outsides of these pictures. And if you took that picture on a G6, you would undoubtedly get some really weird distortion I like the, dis- the frame. I like the distortion, especially because anything in the foreground would, would be either... like It was just a weird contrast between the two. So we do, so much in yeah. this picture. we do assume that most of that is in software. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. But you don't know how much the A35 helps with that. Yeah. Obviously, anything you well, get I mean, sorry. I mean, most of it is in processing, yeah. not in changing the lens. Because it still but has the have, same 120-degree field of view. Yeah, I mean, they have changed the lens, obviously, as well. So we have F1.6, which is a new... On the main camera. Uh, a new... Uh, level of brightness for for phone cameras, which is great. You got OIS. Well, what's the, the uh, aperture on the wide? One point nine. Okay, so right. it's up from two point four, which is significant in yep. itself. Uh, I'd imagine they're probably using the same sensor. Don't know for a fact that they are. As, they as haven't in the, the past. Angle. So, um, uh, I mean the the same wide angle sensor as the G6. Oh, sure, sure. Because um, it's thirteen in 13 the secondary still, this yeah. time. But yeah, um, I, you know, really enjoying the camera and this thing. I think um, having used the GS8 for a long time. I have no doubt now that they're at least at that level, and of course you have the added bonus of uh, the, the you know the really fun wide angle as well. So uh, yeah, enjoy so, the camera a lot. Yeah, I, I mean that has not quite stealthily, but kind of stealthily been LG's thing. Like anybody who likes an LG phone, they like it because the camera is mm-hmm. really good, and then it also has the secondary camera that's wide. Yeah, and I love the wide angle camera. I prefer it over the the two X. I mean, it's just. And I preferred over minor monochrome on top of that. Last podcast, I think I ranked these on on some level, but that's only going to get better, like you said, because you have a preview device still. Mm-hmm. Software and even the hardware is not finalized. The camera is probably pretty locked in, but yeah. I mean, the LG, processing wise, that can change. Yeah, LG always likes to hedge a little bit when they give us these uh, preview devices. Often, not a whole lot of stuff changes. Sometimes, a lot of stuff does change. I mean, Andrew, you remember how how much of a mess the first software on the B20 was last year. So things oh, can yeah, change. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, given the level of polish in this, the fact that we're still probably a month or so out from it going on shelves mm-hmm. in most of the places. Which we still don't know, places. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And of course it's coming to Europe this time. So. Whoa. Yeah. Big deal. I mean, I mean they, they've struggled to get that foot in the door with the second device. Right. Uh, carriers in Europe have been burned over again on some of the crappier LG phones. So, so milestone for that. still don't know pricing. I'm still guessing 699. I would love if, if it's 699 at least. Mm. Uh, I'm afraid they're going to pull a V20 and make it like 799. 699 doesn't leave much room to come down. Yeah, I mean, I hope that they, I hope that they do 699. They probably will not. Um, it's still going to be cheaper than the Note 8, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to go crazy and make it a thousand dollars or something. Yeah, but I think that that will that. I mean, that's not going to be the make or break point for the V30. By all indications, it seems like a really, really good phone. But dang, it would be really a smart idea to drop that price a little bit. Yeah. Um, or a- enter at a low price, I mean. I mean, LG is almost in a... Well, I mean, LG is, is both in a, at an advantage and a disadvantage. Of course, you have the note that it's going to immediately go up against. But you also have two Galaxy S8s uh, that are also going to be competing for that space directly below the note. So, yeah, Absolutely. We're going to be talking about, I mean, obviously the, the Note is just fresh, so it's expensive, but the V30 at, let's say it is $700, that's just still head-to-head with the Galaxy S8 Plus. Yeah, exactly. So, And the V30 doesn't offer a stylus, you know, it's, it's technically not competing directly with the Note. It's also has to compete with the Galaxy S8 Plus. So mm-hmm. I hope LG doesn't just think, oh, the Note 8 is our competitor, let's drop $150 off the Note price. It's like, well, the, that's the Galaxy S8 Plus is yeah, $150 yeah, that, off that, the that Note That phone price. already exists, and a lot of people will be quite happy to go with a name that they may be recognized more in this industry. So, And Samsung is happy for you to be choosing between the Note 8 and yeah, the Galaxy and S8 Plus. Yeah, this is the thing. They're at an advantage as well because they have, uh, you know, whereas most companies, unless you're Samsung, that you only get one device on the shelf, they have three right now. So, yeah. yeah. And, and big time in demand. So anything else on the V30 that, that I'm missing out on? Um, oh, as we talk launch, the last thing is no stupid regional differences. Yes. So this is wireless this. charging, quad DAC, everywhere. Except there is this, the, well, no, there is this no, LG no. V30 Plus now. So, oh, well, that's... Which yeah. is is weird. So uh, that's there, a there were all thing. these weird regional differences in the G6. Um, they, were, they were all called an LG G6, whether you got it in Europe without any of the cool features... Um, because LG apparently hated Europe back then. 
uh, whether you got it in America with, I think it was wireless charging, or whether you got it in Asia with a quad DAC. Uh, now there is an LG V30 Plus. It is the same exact phone, only with 128 gigs of storage, which, fine. I mean, it's, it's a bit weird that they've done that, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you just don't just call that an LG V30. It's like it just has different storage. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, they didn't they even were, up the RAM in it, right? No, so no. It's, so it was, yeah, or give it a special color. Or, no, I mean, no, no. So, so there that, you go. Okay. Uh, nothing else on the V30. Uh, obviously, we're gonna have full review, all that kind of additional stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll we have wrote an quite a bit review. about it. Uh, yeah, we'll have an initial review. We'll have videos and, and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, but very very positive first impressions. I'm I'm liking this phone a lot so far. Yes, yeah, super we excited. We what? Can I have yours? There's a no. I meant. Like, <laughs> oh, permanently? No. Here, have the V30. I'm sorry. Did you talk about it a second ago? The B and O edition. Oh uh, uh, no, yeah, the, we well, didn't the, talk. About uh, this B and O stuff going on. Great. Okay. Um, no, so the European one has B and O branding on the back as well. There are B and O uh, earbuds in the box. Great. Um, for some reason, the branding is different in the US. Go figure. Um, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> I that that's still like an old vestige of just LG ness. To be like, yeah, we made this, uh, we did this deal with B&O, uh, and that means that you get cool headphones and a silkscreen B&O thing on the back, but we're not really going to talk about exactly what it does, yeah, because we it, give the same quad DAC everywhere so around the world. This is something that kind of go, goes back towards the, the, the origins of the V-series of this sort of prosumer device. They talked yeah, a little bit about this. Let's talk about video recording. Yeah, really I, we, we kind of skimmed over that a little bit as we were talking about the camera, but the, uh, and this is a feature that I haven't really had much of a chance to use, but um, video recording in videography is a huge focus for this phone, just as it has been for... Wait a minute. Does V stand for video Wait in the minute. V series? Has, 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 a, has a penny just dropped? What? Wow. Um, Butterfly flaps its wings. Yeah, so uh, obviously, as well as having great optics, great sensor, um, there's now a bunch of software and processing stuff going on um, behind uh, the V30's camera, so you can... Zoom in smoothly in the style of an optical zoom, so you don't have like the and that looks cool. Though. Which look, yeah, obviously it's still optic, it's still a uh, digital zoom, but you have enough pixels there on the, on that sixteen megapixel sensor that you can get away with a fair amount of digital zoom without, especially in video. And they're doing good electronic stabilization for when you're walking around and things. Yep, yeah, which is yeah, that's a lot of eight thirty five phones have really great uh, electronic stabilization now, so it's obviously LG has that pretty much as standard um, you, you can actively you can really I mean this is a thing from before but you can quickly switch between the two lenses there's no problem with that and mm-hmm. the continuous video but then the the crazy stuff happens when you get to the Cinelog modes yeah and they've, they've done a lot around color in this camera and color is not something that you see um, phone manufacturers talk about in their video cameras color grading of video color grading yeah <laughs> so you can shoot in uh, LG Cinelog mode um, which is designed to bring out more dynamic range as you're shooting video. Um, it's if you want to oversimplified, it's like shooting raw for video. Ooh, that's I said oversimplified. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean same principle, right? That you can you can get away with bringing out more uh, light and shadow detail. And um, what that allows you, you to if do you're is, then going to load it into Premiere Pro or something. It allows you to. It also allows you to shoot in preset color like right. color grading presets. Yeah, that it's not like a filter that's applied after it's actually baked into as you record it will have these cinematic looks and effects mm-hmm. built in that you select and then you from that point forward you're shooting a video with these presets that they say were you know designed let's try it this way we all shoot video and and we're none of us is professional i think we've all gotten better at it but i have a problem with i'll shoot something at one time, one place, and I'll shoot it somewhere else later, and they mm-hmm. just look vastly different. It's yeah. almost like two different people shot it. So, like when you're watching a movie and the whole thing looks the same and has that same look and feel, that's how they do it. They, yeah, color graded it yeah. to be smooth. Yeah, they, so. they have colorists who do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So LG had a colorist set should, up all these filter. Sure it's did. not a filter though. I that sells it short. Um, but the interesting thing is like LG keeps pushing this, but I just don't know how much people are going to go into that. Uh, this is the thing. Uh, this is sort of the paradox of, of good phone cameras. And the same thing happened when we started getting raw in, in Android cameras. But I don't take the, any raw it, photos well, of my Yeah, really. I mean, so in, in order to get a camera to the level where you would want to use raw, it has to be really good anyway. And if a phone camera is really good anyway, you're less likely to want to try and mess around in raw because you just take the picture. And sure. I think the same is probably going to apply to this. 
Right. Um, I, for all of this awesome stuff, which I think like the zooming thing, it, it all works. And I think it's really neat. What's more important in many cases to me is when I pull out my Pixel XL, launch into the the camera, and I take that buttery smooth video as I'm walking down the street and I can share 10 seconds of it to Instagram or in like a Hangouts message or something. That's a majority of my use of the video camera. It's just to record something, you know, perhaps the V50 or 60 or something may get to the point where you are tossing this thing on a tripod and you're going to shoot some stuff. But for now, it's it's a bragging point. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, I, we need to play around with it a little bit more. Uh, obviously, uh, it's for the kind of video we shoot, it's, it's really interesting because we'll, you know, occasionally when, when we shoot a hands-on video or something and Michael Fisher does the same thing, you'll use some phone footage in there just because you can, in the context of a larger video, you can get away with it. It looks good enough. Yep. Yep. Um, this is maybe going to take it a step beyond that to the point where, um, especially depending on the kind of content you're creating, it is feasible maybe to use a device like this in place of a, a bigger camera, at least partially. All right, so that's V30. That's V30 for it's now. It's good. It's probably going to be worth buying. So. I want to take a quick break and thank our friends at Thrifter. You can find them at thrifter.com, at Thrifter Daily on Twitter. And, you know, you don't want to spend too much money on things, especially when you got to afford a potentially $800 LG V30 yes. and a $950 Galaxy Note 8. Because you want both, obviously. Yeah, it's good. Of course, you got yeah, two well, pockets. Well, yeah. Uh, and if you're going to buy something like cables or accessories or Amazon Echoes or whatever, at Thrifter Daily is just going to drop all these deals directly into your timeline and on Twitter and click, click, done. You just save 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. Closer to that LGB30 and Galaxy Note 8. There you go. Go find them, thrifter.com, at Thrifter Daily, and we thank them for being part of this podcast. Thank you. All right. In the document here, I wrote, hello, Moto X4, because mm. I'm the worst Ooh. person ever. Um, Phil did not see this. I have not. Alex and I spent a couple hours with it. Mm-hmm. So what what is your hot take on this, Alex? And then I'll get into this. Um, so the original, <laughs> I, I think, subtitle for what I was going to write about this, uh, and I think maybe I tweeted it at some point, is Moto X4 hands-on, it is a phone. It is a phone. I mean, is it that generic? It didn't look that so generic. So it, it feels like, in the context of the industry now, it feels generic. And for the most, I mean, you could argue Moto X phones have always looked generic for the time. Um, and I'll, well, I'll get the neg- most of the negative out of the way, and then we can talk about what's good about it. Um, but, I thought like the Moto X 2014, the second one, after yeah. the Moto X came back, I thought that one was really generic. That was, even with the leather back? Yeah. yeah. I thought that phone was hot. Or yeah. Maybe it's the third one. Dis- disagree. The third no, the, one is generic. Third one was there generic. were two of them then. Yeah, yeah. And they were starting to get a bit Lenovo fine. So, so is this generic like that, or is it? It's, a it's generic, generic in, in that um, Most... it's called it's called a Moto. X. You got to this point, your hands on Andrew. That it's called a Moto X. There is nothing here to tie it to the legacy of the Moto X or to what that brand formally stood for at all. Um, I, I think that that's the. It's not even a complaint, but that's just the biggest observation. So I said you could have named this thing the Moto G5 Premium or something. It's a 399 euro phone where that's roughly like 50 euros dollars above the top end Moto G5. Mm -hmm. And it's also, depending on where you are, 50 to 100 dollars lower than the Moto Z2 Play. So it's this very narrow scope where where it lands and if you put it right between the G5 Plus and the Z2 Play, it's it's just a straight line between the two. There's nothing super unique about it. I mean, in the way that you were kind of saying there that all modern Moto phones kind of just look the same. And of course, the Moto Zs have this issue of, well, issue, this mod compatibility thing. It's an, it's an issue that they can The Moto G5 series looks kind of like the G4 and the G3. It's like... Yeah, it looks like a cheap Moto phone. The only kind of issue here is that this is supposed to be... Supposed to be. I mean, they can make it whatever they want. It's supposed to be a little more unique. And the only thing that makes this unique from a G5 Plus is a glass back. Mm-hmm. And and that is literally the only thing that really makes it stand out. Yeah. and uh, So they, they go... 
they, they decide to resurrect, like you say, they could have called it anything. They go to the trouble of choosing this brand with a very, very unique past to it that has been kind of, you know, cut its roots in, in you know, the, the Google side of Motorola mm-hmm. when that, that was a thing. Um, Sat you know, unused it, for a couple of years now. Yeah. And it was, it, I don't know whether I want to say it was targeted at enthusiasts at the time because I'm not sure it exclusively was. Yeah. You know, maybe my perception of the it th- is. Enthusiasts, glo- you know, glommed yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, um, and, you know, of the things that were unique about it, you had the, the curved design um, from, you know, Jim Wicks and his team. Uh, you have Moto Maker, you have the customization, the crazy backs. Um, obviously, so a lot of that is sort of filtered through to the Moto Z line, but now you have this thing that is just a phone. Yeah. Um, and actually, the things that are unique and maybe a bit different about the X4 don't really relate to any of that. Um, there's nothing. I guess my biggest issue is there's nothing really special about this phone. And Moto X used to be a special brand. Now it's just well, right. it is a phone, like I say. Right. In in, in hardware and software. I, I don't have a problem with it having the same software. I mean, it has the same software experience as the Moto Z2 Force yeah. or whatever it has. Which is fine. Or it has all of no the, you know, that. always, always listening mics and um, the correct sensors to be able to do all of the gestures and everything. It has all of that, mo- you know, quote unquote Moto app stuff in there. It, at a 399 euro price point, we assume probably about 350, in the US. Mm-hmm. We don't know that yet. But that's cool. I like that. And in many ways, we'll get to more of the specifics. This is a better phone than the Moto Z2 Force, which is absolutely bonkers because it's uh, 55% of the price. But it's like Moto is a lot of these software features and this take on Android was like that was what made the Moto X unique. But now that they've taken all that because it worked and it's really good yeah. and put it on every single phone that they've made in the last three years. You're kind of like, it's not a different, well, it's, it's a differentiator, but again, it's not unique to the X anymore. At that time when Moto was making the Moto X, it was unique even for Motorola because that was like that Moto X, especially like you said, Phil, the 2014, the second 2015, one. Pure edition. I think the yeah. Oh, uh, the 2015 was the bad one. The yeah. 2014 was like that pinnacle they took that, and that is kind of the software interaction model for every Moto phone since then. Mm-hmm. And now it's not really unique to the X4. So you kind of thought maybe the X4 would have something unique to it. And eh, it, so, it doesn't. Like, I, I think the software is going to be just fine on the Snapdragon 630 and 4 or 3 gigs of RAM. That's not going to be a problem. We know the Moto Z2 Play is fine we know the g5 plus is fine so that i'm not worried about that part it's more like this the software just doesn't have anything extra to it sure and after you know bringing this brand back after the absence of a year or more um and having you know the, the, they could have just let it die man. well no the, the z series having presumably not set the world alight like they would have hoped it did they're already two years into the mods thing um do you think this is maybe like an escape shoot so they can potentially re- retire the whole mod thing if they need to and have this separate mm-hmm. line that, that continues forward from that? That's interesting. I mean, I think that the the funny thing about this is with where they put it in the lineup, they they were hamstrung, of course, by the fact that they came out with the Z2 Play at such a solid, affordable price point at the bottom of the Z line where now the X if it's going to be so similar to the rest of the phones, it can't move up at all. Mm. Now, if the X4 came out and it was something entirely different, they went back to having Moto Maker and the leather backs and the wood backs, and they did something unique and it didn't really fit with the Motorola line, they could have done something where it was more expensive and they started to push it up. But what they did here, unless this is truly just a one-off, when they make it the X4, I assume they're going to do an X5 and an X6, you know. They, like X4 Pro, X4 they've Plus, set themselves X4 into, Premium. They've set themselves into this very narrow band of what they can do with it. Now, with this lower price, I mean, let's remember, Phil, how much did you spend on your Moto X 2013 at the time, the original one? It's almost $600 or something like that? Yeah, they weren't cheap. I mean, it, it depends on which back you went. Sure. And you're right, it was the 2015 I was initially thinking of, not the 2014. 
Um, but the 20, I remember I bought in uh, a 2014 US unlocked model with a wood back. Mm-hmm. It was like $630. Yeah. At $630, even at that time where, you know, the competition wasn't as strong, obviously, it's not like going up against, you know, the V30 today or something. This was a few years ago, but that's where all of this hand wringing came about about the Moto X not being good enough because they were charging 600 and whatever yeah. plus dollars for it. And, and it actually, if you go back to where it came from originally, the Google, in the Google days, it was never intended to hit that tip top price level because the, the Google, um, it was supposed it, to be like a 500. Yeah. Google, phone. I mean, for whatever reason, maybe Google didn't want to compete with its own vendors at the time directly at the high end or whatever. But, um, yeah, it was never intended to be this $600 thing that they eventually turned it into. So maybe maybe it's fitting. Maybe that's the thing that brings it back to what the Moto X brand is all about. Sure. So It's good and it's at a low price, but then that's hardly unique these days. Right. I have to look at, so I can't even remember my own finishing, finishing line here. But basically it's now that, like, we can talk about how the Moto X4 with its kind of, you know, ho-hum-ness just overall like we could talk about that but when you're talking about a 399 euro phone you have to bring it all into perspective of everything that you're getting here for 75 dollars euros less than the OnePlus 5 or still like still 150 dollars less than an LG G6 Two hundred and fifty dollars less than an HTC U eleven. Mm. You know, this is not a direct competitor to those, and so in many ways, the X four is the like the. I think I pretty much, if not directly said, it's the best Moto X phone compared to its um, immediate competitors. Immediate competitors at that, at that yeah at that time in that price point. The Moto X's of of the past were trying to play in this high-end game without all the high-end stuff, the Moto X4 feels much more pragmatic about, hey, we can hit this 399 point, and look, you get all of the same stuff that made the previous Moto Xs really cool, minus the the unique hardware. But 3,000 mAh battery is going to be totally fine with a Snapdragon 630 in it. Uh really solid 1080p probably, probably LCD. Probably best battery life of any, of any Moto X thing. Um, they, right. They've never been great. Because that was never good either. Really solid. I'd love to see it outside, but solid 1080p LCD. Yeah. Uh, three or four gigs of RAM. I hate these stupid regional differences. They're still doing that. And the cameras. And IP68 waterproof, water it's, resistant. Yeah, which is, has a headphone jack. And again, all this stuff that you're missing, like it's crazy. Right. Uh, and it's easy to overlook when you think, because... Uh, you kind of take some of this stuff for granted still. A lot of the stupid stuff that they cut out of the super high-end is in this phone. Uh, and, of course, you have a dual-camera setup, which arguably makes more sense than the the thing they're trying to make happen in the Z2 Force, which just, from what I've heard, I've never used it, but from what you've used, basically doesn't work. Yes. So at least it has a fingerprint sensor. <laughs> yes, it also has well, a fingerprint we'll sensor. To, we'll get to that later. So it, yes, and so the, the cameras... Again, 399 euro phone, but they look to be doing some really interesting camera stuff here. I want to know, like, I need to spend a lot more time with it to see how it actually performs. But a a cool dual camera setup mm-hmm. that is different from the Moto Z2 Force. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And the, Basically the main- G6 style, except without OIS with slightly... Weaker sensors. Right, because again, it's a 399 yeah. euro phone. Same, so same idea, if, if you're used to that yeah. the idea that you have um, you know, decent main camera, slightly less great in low light, secondary uh, wide-angle camera. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun, and having that at a, a really affordable price point is going to be... Right. And so I do think that this, once you get down to it, and you especially look at what you're getting for the price, the, the Moto X4 looks like it's going to be a really good choice for that, honestly, that same type of consumer that at the time wanted the Moto X in that simple, has all the things that are important to like daily use kind of things. It's going to have good battery life, you know, acceptable camera, the performance and software are going to be great. You know, it has all that stuff, but now you don't have to also pay 600 something dollars for that. Yeah. 
in, instead. I, I mean, I, I don't know where you stand on just mods in general, aside from the concept of the Z2 as a, as a phone, but mm-hmm. to my mind, maybe the, there's more uh, the idea of this kind of phone has more of a future than what they're trying to make happen there. Sure. At the very least in terms of the non-modding stuff, right? Yeah, I'm not sure how much where this lands in terms of what it means. Like, if this does well, do they abandon the mod thing at some point? You know, we talked about this a few episodes back about, you know, how, when Motorola has to really re-up on their commitment to to mm-hmm. mod, like, um, time, uh, lifetime of mods. They need to re-up on that. I'm not sure how much the Moto X4 will do toward that, but it's surely going to be a data point for them. If this can do well doing all of this basic stuff without messing up the typical things that Motorola has messed yeah. up the last few iterations, it, it could it could give them the data they need. In conclusion, the Moto X4 is a phone. Colin, it is a phone. Okay. Let's move on to something that else. Is also that, a, not, actually, no, not a phone. Not not a phone. So let's move on to something that is also not a thing. Well, do you want to quickly hit the other phone stuff and end with Samsung? Or do uh, you we can end? do. I mean, I, I actually haven't spent much time at all with the Sony phones, but we can talk about those a little bit. I'm not sure. Has, has anyone here seen the Sony phones? So no. We'll, probably, we'll pretty much just have so to So I think let's just... Hey, hey, hang on. No. They were a little blocky, there little squarish. Um, have a fingerprint sensor on the side or not. Round buttons. Decent display. Okay camera. You sound familiar at it, all? It, it is a phone. Um, it, it is a Sony phone. <laughs> it is so, yes. a Sony phone. So it is the XZ1 and the XZ1 Compact. Compact. Uh, again, great use of branding there from Sony. Um, so, yeah. Can't wait for that I mean, XZ1 uh, Premium. It, yeah. I, I don't XZ1 know. Premium I, You Compact. can hear the vacuum cleaner if you can hear how loudly I'm sighing now. But... Um, yeah, so like the, the branding is a train wreck as usual for Sony. The design is old as usual for Sony. The fingerprint situation in the US is a, is a mess as usual for Sony. The camera is uh, on paper pretty good, but uh, seems to, to lack a lot of the low-light capabilities of other phones as usual for Sony. Yep. The one interesting thing for me about this series of phones is they're shipping next week with Oreo, which is Which great. is awesome. Um, there was... Sony does that. <laughs> if you listen to the Android developer stage, Android developers backstage podcast, and you really should, a lot of the times it's over my head, but there was one a couple of weeks ago on, on the new, um, what's the, I just totally forgot the project Treble. project Treble, and how they're doing that. And, and they started alluding to the fact that they'd worked with some companies on definitely bringing Oreo sooner rather than later. Mm. And I think that's the, and, and Sony shouldn't be the surprise there because Sony has been contributing back to AOSP for a long time. And yeah, they, they need all the differentiating features that they can get. So yeah, that's so. the kind of stuff that Sony does well. They continue to have the same stupid decisions in many ways. The fingerprint sensor, don't even want to talk about it. I'm done. It's dumb. I mean, but I, I, I was, no, I mean, let, let's talk about that because it's, it's they still don't it's, have it. It, it's it, dumb. it bears underscoring how dumb it is. Uh, and I guess at a high level, I was telling, you know, at a cr- oh, crackery meetup last night saying someone that this this phone strikes me as the product of a large amount of bureaucracy and no real like yeah so that <laughs> Le- like uh, no direction leadership. yeah no direction that's what i was looking for um uh, and it's it's just odd to see like this scattering of good ideas and uh, hints and of, it- of greatness in in what they're doing in the software other things continue to be a, a complete mess like the finger situation in the u.s We've asked them about that in the past. Um, we didn't meet up with them this year to, to talk this over because, frankly, why have the same conversation yes. once every six months? Um, but yeah, uh, we've. Th- there are a couple of theories going around. One was that they can't do fingerprints on the side because of an Apple patent or something. Which I mean, in a world which the next bit. That's not exists. true. That's not true because other phones are, have been doing that, like the next bit Robin. Um, the other thing is uh, that's been that we've heard from people is that uh, it was. One of the U.S. carriers, um, perhaps one of the bigger, uh, redder U.S. carriers that had a deal with Sony that's uh, around biometric security and exclusivity that they could only do that through them. So if they want to release a phone by themselves or through another carrier, it can't have fingerprint. Um, so I can't... Rather than not sell a phone, they will just sell a phone with it disabled permanently and so And this is a 
we know that this is a time limited thing. They will at some point release a phone in the U.S. that has the fingerprint sensor enabled. There but is a fingerprint a, sensor a in the point, phone. At what point is it such a table stakes thing that it is better to not release a phone at this price point than to release such, Sony's just such got, a hamstrung phone? Sony's got so much money that I don't I think it really matters. But I think the bigger thing is that put a fingerprint sensor in these XZ1 Compact and the XZ1 still... That's just one of it, it's all like these not other having things. A, something, but it's something that kills. It's going to kill the phone. For it's like not I, having a front-facing camera. It 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 is a staple uh, sure. part of it every is, phone. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree. But what I'm saying is, bring it in. Like it, it is one. You, of, I guess like if you were to be the person, like a lot of people are, that import one of these because they're well, relatively just, cheap when you import it, or you well, flash way, a new just, ROM on it. Yeah, which is super okay. easy to do. So that's why I don't care about the fingerprint sensor anymore. The phones still have problems. Like you have two phones, 5.2 inch, 4.6 inch. Like people like the fact that there's a compact one. They have the same size battery. I would in, love, in the, in I would the love Andrew, for you to, actually you can't because you're going home tomorrow. Uh, but to take the essential phone and put it next to the uh, XZ1 compact. Right. And just look at the difference there. Because one has a 5.7 inch screen, the other has a, what is it, 4.6 or 4.7. The fact that 4.6. people are... People are almost putting too much emphasis on the screen size. You look at the bezels on this thing. Yeah, it's massive. It's, yeah. And their speakers are just okay if they're anything like the XE Premium, Uh, which these don't replace, by the way. The XE Premium still sits above. Still bigger, still got a 4K screen. Which is not an XZ1 Premium, it's just an XE Premium. Presumably things are looking pretty good for an Oreo update for that, given that it's literally the same phone at a bigger size. So, So, to see. Sigh. Yeah, Sai. Um, Sony making phones that everybody wants and yet nobody, um, like everybody understands they will not so, buy. Sony making phones for some reason. Next. Uh, On to things that are not phones. Um, um, one mentioned Blackberry Q1 Black Edition. Yes, that the, is a phone. That is also a phone. It has more RAM and storage. And keys. But BTW, the Black Key one It's so hot. From eight, it is extremely hot. But the one on AT&T is not the Black Edition. That is a Space Black BlackBerry Key 1, not a BlackBerry Key 1 sure Black Edition. Right black, BlackBerry. There. There's none more black. That's, that's the so black BlackBerry, if you, not just the BlackBerry and black. Okay. If you want a Key 1 that has uh, 4 gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of storage, you get, get the Black Edition, one. not just the one that's Space Black. black. You know what this also There's reminded so me? so much trouble there. Oh, my God. You know what this also reminded me is that what other company also released a black edition phone? LG. Uh, the Optimus Black. The Optimus Black. That is not a black edition. Answer it's the question. Very black. I'm. I. I don't know. I this. Uh, I'm just keeping saying. Samsung words. Galaxy S4 Black Edition. Oh. Uh, wow. That okay. thing was hot. Was it? Yeah. Was because it. I, it was. It I, I, was like blacked two people out. On this podcast, are going to remember that phone because they released it in in mainland Europe. For like two two weeks before the note came out, and I hope it's the S four, not the S three. But come on, Google, <laughs> load. This is great radio. Load. Yes. So the reason why it was so awesome is because you remember the Galaxy S four out that chintzy, stupid plastic around it, <laughs> yeah. and it had that gross textured back. They just murdered it out, and it looked it 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 looked like this. Great radio again. Looks like a phone. Yeah. So it was the back of the uh, yeah the, the weird stitching the, that they had on the notes. Note three, which was which, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which which at the time was like the pinnacle of phone design because we were used to crappy plastic phones. But yeah, man. Um, in, in conclusion, that is not that Gal- is also a black phone. Galaxy S four and the BlackBerry is also a black phone. Galaxy S four Black Edition has smaller bezels than the Xperia XZ one Compact. Probably. Uh, yeah. Probably better value. For Boom. Non-phone things. Samsung Gear Sport. Samsung Gear Fit 2 Pro. Samsung Gear Icon X. 2018 2018. No, uh, 2018. 2018. Edition. At least. Well, whatever. Talk about the Gear Sport. Gear Sport, yeah. This is the one that I've been hoping for for a long time, and I was actually kind of disappointed that... It's uh, a watch. It's a watch, yeah. I'm disappointed that it's not going to be available until later in the holiday season because I probably would spend money on this watch today because I would say like late October there are, they're gonna yeah, just there are there are very few good small I mean there are very few good smartwatch options, let's face it. There are very few good small smartwatch options. The Gear S two was one of them, I think. We can all yep. agree. And this um, is 
more or less the same dimensions as the Gear it's, S2. It, it's a bit bigger, but they, yeah, the shape is obviously different. The design right. is based on the design. The Gear S2 the Gear is S3. taller and narrower. This is more symmetrical. Yes, yeah, it's chunky. The uh, someone joked in the comments that the the body is actually a squircle shape, which it kind of is. You have the there's like a squirkly bit on the outside. So it's actually circular watch face in the middle. Think of the Gear S2 classic, but slightly smaller and lighter but designed like the Gear S3 Frontier. Yeah, and it's they're, they're pitching as a sports watch, which makes sense. Uh, you got a couple of chassis colors. you got a black and a blue, and they both look basically the same. It's yep. hard to tell the difference. Um, and a, just a ton of different strap options now. The big thing with the straps is they're no longer using the uh, proprietary rubber thing like the Gear S2 did. It's now just regular 20-millimeter watch bands, which is Which, is which the Gear S3 uses 22-millimeters. So they're all about saying that this is lighter, more comfortable for actually working out I don't know if you guys used a Gear S, have used a Gear S3, but a Gear S3, even on my large wrist, too large. It feels, it, it's fine for running. It feels weird if you're trying to do any sort of a gym workout, mixed workout. Like, it's just not set up for that. And it's to do with, like, the clearance off your wrist as well. As of course. Else, right? And I feel like the Gear Sport might be a little better for that. I still don't think I would actually want to go to the gym with it because it's still just a little too big. You would want to go to the Gear Fit 2 Pro, which we'll talk about. But they're they're focusing on the fact that this has all the software features of the Gear S3, but smaller battery, smaller screen, uh, no it's LTE about, option. Battery, we should say battery life has not been affected. So right, because it's because it's a smaller. Yeah, screen. we still got uh, you know more efficient internals. Whatever, we still get um, a, a quoted battery life of three to four days, which which I found is yeah. held up in all of Samsung's yeah, yeah, wearables. Even, even the Gear S2 would last me two to three days. So it's basically you. Shoot, you could call it the Gear S3 Lite, but you know that would be a oh, bad marketing. Like yeah, yeah. You could call it the Gear S3 Black Edition, <laughs> but <laughs> I hope that it's relatively cheap. I hope that they actually knock more than like make, fifty bucks off the Gear S3. It would make no sense if it was this, you know, within striking distance of the Gear S3. Because the interesting thing is the Gear Fit 2 Pro is one ninety nine. We do know that. Yeah, I would expect it to be somewhere like a 250 maybe kind of area. Right. And so this is, like, we, we know, I mean, look at what Apple's done with uh, the Apple Watch. Move toward f- uh, fitness, activity tracking, stuff, you know, all that kind of focus. Move there because that's what people want. Samsung showed all kinds of numbers and metrics on, you know, X percent of people use their smartwatches for this a certain amount of time. The people that wear smartwatches the most want them for activity tracking. Mm-hmm. Yes, like notifications and call management and stuff like that. That's way down on the list. They like them, but they're way down on the list. And so this makes sense to me. But what makes more sense to me is the Gear Fit 2 Pro because I already like the Gear Fit 2 because this is a $199 device. So it's a hundred and something dollars cheaper than the latest Apple watch. It's even like a hundred dollars cheaper than the last gen Apple watch, the series one Apple watch that they're selling. It doesn't do the smartwatchy stuff necessarily still, but it does all the fitness stuff. Mm -hmm. And the gear fit two is still, it's a little over a year old. So they just refreshed it. What do you think of the name? I mean, it's, it's significant. I think I'm I'm not entirely sure why, but, that it's a Gear S, it's a Gear Fit 2 Pro, not a Gear Fit 3. And that's the thing. The weird thing is... Are they it makes keep the, the two around? Is, it makes sense that it's a Gear Fit... Well, it makes sense that it's still a Gear Fit 2 series device because they really did it's not very change much. change, yeah. But the Pro makes no sense to me. The it It's just kind of like a thing that... You should have called it a Gear Fit 2... S or something. Black edition. Or Gear Fit 2 2017, like they did with the Icon X, because mm. they just changed the band, and the, it's the same locking uh, mechanism on the body of the fitness tracker. You could buy one of these bands and clip it onto the Fit 2. It is the exact same. And the screen all looked the same to me. The software is basically the same. They're, they have new partnerships with Under Armour, which is... Um, my fitness pal, Matt, my run, Endomondo, you know, that kind of stuff. Also, um, they've already had like Runkeeper and Strava and stuff before that. Uh, and they have uh, Speedo. So they added the, this is the one big difference 
five atmosphere um, water resistance, which means including salt water, right? Including yeah. salt water, which means you're that's fifty meters. You're not just uh, you're not casually swimming down fifty yeah. meters. If you are, you probably need something more advanced than this. This means you can you know it can track lap swimming. Um, it doesn't track open water swimming. They said, but again, I, I don't know if you're doing a whole bunch of you know, you're not swimming across the English Channel or something. So You don't know that. <laughs> so they added all that kind of stuff. But most of that, except for the actual water resistance level, can all be brought back to the Fit 2. And they've actually been really good about bringing new gear features back to previous gears. Yeah, same with Gear S. Hardware Gear S 3 features come with the Gear S 2. Right. Um, yeah, so... I'm- so this is not... An, your whole point is this is not an upgrade from the Gear Fit 2 unless you're a swimmer. And yeah. you think that this is a good, cheap option for swim tracking, which it is. I, I just don't get why they didn't just... I, having the Pro signify that just seems confusing. I don't know why they didn't just up the number. And maybe there's a Gear Fit 3 coming that's going to do a bunch of better and crazier things. I, I could easily see that. And Samsung seems to be pretty smartly approaching this wearable market. You know, the, So the Gear S3 is a year old. They... Aren't. And they straight up said that's still our flagship. That's model. still the fly. That that's still the flagship. It's still the top. You remember up to this point, they were still selling the two-year-old Gear yes, S2. Too. So the Gear Sport simply slots in to take the old Gear S2 away. You could easily see them keeping the S3 around if they next year bring out the S4. Gear Fit 2, sure, just it iterated a little bit. Icon X earbuds. Um the they got You never used life. them. Uh I feel like you ever use these things. I, I never did, no. Um, are, so are you a Bluetooth earbud? Man? I, I am. I've been using the Jaybird X3s for a while, but I've got. Are those neck buds? Yeah, or they're neck buds. They're, yeah, just they're, a cord. They're connected. Okay. Um, but I do have on Kickstarter coming the ones from Anchor. I forget the Zolo. I think they're in the yeah, Zolo you brand. Those. Yeah. So yeah, I'm getting into those a little bit. And I've, I've been thinking about the Samsung one, so I was definitely watching this. So basically, I love the idea. I understand the limitations of. Look, people carry around the Apple AirPods now. They understand that they have to carry around that little tic-tac case to be able to put the AirPods in. Samsung knows the exact same thing. They dramatically improve battery life. Yeah. It used to be that... Well, streaming battery life, right. Well, well, all battery life. It used to be... But, I mean, the the change in battery life for streaming is... Is bigger. Significantly bigger. It went from roughly an hour and a half of Bluetooth listening to... Five hours of Bluetooth listening, which I don't know how the heck they did that. They're basically the same size. It has to be some kind of software optimization mostly. But standalone music listening, because they have four gigs of storage in them, seven hours. That's really, really good for a pair of these little you know, detached earbuds or two individual earbuds. The charging case charges faster. You can get, I think they said, an hour of listening time in 10 minutes charging mm-hmm. off the case. The case has C now as well for whatever. The case is Type C, charges up quicker, and the case is also probably at least a third smaller than the previous case, which is all the all good things. Still a pretty hardcore thing. Most people are going to be better served by like casual listening. They're going to be better served by neck buds are going to sound better. You have longer battery life. They're not going to have this annoying thing of you take the two out and sometimes you know they're not paired properly. You have to sideload music by hooking up the cable to your computer to sideload. Like that kind of stuff you won't have to think about with other headphones. I think the Icon X were like, man, I think they're 150 bucks or something before. Um, I would not be surprised if they just come out at the same price. And that's, that's again... Also, not uh, not a cheap investment. If you're so, talking about a Gear Fit Two Pro being two hundred bucks, yeah, and we're getting into pricing here, and um, yeah, worth remembering that only the Fit Two Pro is going to be available anytime soon. That that's coming, I think. Pre-order now, September fifteenth in store, uh, which I think incidentally is also Note Eight launch day. Yes. Um, so yeah, the other two we don't have pricing or release information. The only thing they were saying was uh, this holiday season. So yeah. They may be, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do with those the the pricing. Um, I think that's probably enough talk about non phone things. Non phone things. One more. Oh yes, I got to mention it. All right, Phil, let's wrap it up with some home I, stuff. I've been living in the the Amazon and home world for a while now. I mean, back at you CS, live in a home. I live in a home as well. Uh, back at CES, we talked a lot about how Alexa was kind of the narrative of that 
that show. By the way, Moto X4 has Amazon Alexa. There you go. And they're announcing all kinds of other phones with the Amazon Alexa. Alexa is everywhere here. Um, it's on a just a butt ton of speakers, a bunch of phones. Uh, Wiley Fox was showing off their stuff at right. Show that was the last other night. One else, yeah. That was another one. Um, the U10 or U11 obviously already has it. Um, but it's not just Alexa as well. We're getting a lot more speakers that also have Google Assistant built in. Mm-hmm. LG's washing machine has Google Assistant built. Well. AI built in has something built in. Samsung has AI in its right. Samsung has AI. It is not Google Assistant. Damn! What did you do today? Around the corner from our hotel, there is this rather imposing Samsung. Yes. Ad. Oh God! Do you uh, want to talk about is, that? The the slogan. Uh, the, I, the new normal. This like, is your new. This normal. is your new normal. And Samsung everywhere is your new normal. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We're not quite there yet. But yeah, can, I mean, everything is going to be connected now. Jesus. Um, my question to you guys is, as we start getting Google Assistant baked into more things, at what point does Google Home just become unnecessary? Well, it goes back to its original functionality as a speaker and an interface point, like physically, right? to get, to, to get look, at this stuff. This is the same. This is the Chromecast model. We, Phil and I were just talking mm-hmm. about this, how many Chromecast endpoints he has in his house it's right now. It's ridiculous. And... Yes, your washing machine could well be one you, of those. You could originally just buy a Chromecast, yep. and the Chromecast was hardware. It is people don't even think of it that way anymore. Yes, you can buy a Chromecast, but now it's like it's in your soundbar, and you have speakers with it. Yes, the Google Home is also a Chromecast target. It's audio, video. You know, I don't see why there's any problem with Google I could, Assistant I, being any different. I could see Google keeping like the new calling functionality in Google Home, sure, and not not spreading it. But because I mean, that has not, a they, that is a fixed uh, microphone kind of setup. I don't know for how many people that's going to be a reason to buy it. Yeah, uh, especially that price, and especially for the quality of the speaker when you can get some pretty decent stuff for that same money. Yeah, I, it's it's it, I haven't totally wrapped my head around it yet. I um, just think of it as well. You maybe have a uh, a Google Home, uh, just a standard Google Home on your nightstand or something. And then in your living room, you want to have a nicer speaker or pair of speakers that is another you know, Google Assistant front end rather than kind of dotting homes around. Um, I think that it does. I mean, speaking of Chromecast, I think it takes one of the jumps out of it. So if you talk to Google uh, Home right now, you say, play XYZ music on such and such cast target. That's a jump where you have to talk to the home and then it tells the Chromecast. I have not once done that. I don't Because do I'm it doing either. it from my phone, you know. I, I just I, have the home do it or I do it from my I phone. I have the music I'm playing from my phone, like, yeah. But so now this way, if it's in the better speaker that you were already going to talk to. Right. Or you were already going to listen from. Yeah. Um, I, where do you see this going? Do you see this like you're just going to – it's going to be like 4K TV. You just get it now. I, I think you should, you yeah. Get. And I think it's a good thing that we're seeing more parity there, that we're seeing multiple assistants in single devices. Um, I, I really hate seeing you know, Siri-only stuff and, and mm. Alexa-only stuff. What? You disagree? I, I Well, I mean, in, in connected devices, fine. We, we've kind of justified that on phones to a certain extent. I just worry that – if we if we get into this multiple assistant world where um, that becomes, I guess commoditized is the wrong word, but there's probably more potential for things to be implemented for like your assistant of choice to potentially be implemented in a bad way if there are multiple assistants to focus on. Uh, mm. There's no there's no good answer there. Yeah, really. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we got to see how it plays out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it though because that's that's good features to have. Yeah, I we've seen this huge resurgence of like Bluetooth speakers just being, uh, you know, bringing back people actually buying speakers. And this is just kind of the next progression of that, giving people another reason uh, to have a, a better speaker in their house is awesome. People actually will listen, you know, and enjoy music and podcasts and things more Um it's kind of like the whole you know, cameras and smartphone kind of thing. Like the quality of cameras mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or photos coming up everywhere is just better because the technology has got there. Now 
you're getting to the point where more people have more reasons to actually have dedicated speakers in their house. And that that's way better than just listening on your phone or something. I'm going to wrap it up. Final thoughts, Phil, where can people find you? Anything. I'm all over plug the place Marriott, right now. You know. Yeah, plug the Marriott. I'm staying at the Hyatt down the street. Uh, <laughs> modern, modern, <laughs> modern Dad is still going on. I'm still doing that. Um, I'm writing more on Android Central again. It's nice to be back in that respect. Connected home stuff. Connected home stuff and, am, and all things Amazon, which is not less important these days. Um, maybe I'll pick up a phone here or there too. We'll see. Dang. So I'm everywhere. Alex, any hotel chains you want to plug? Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm just. Uh, I like the red I, roof I, I, out there I, on the red roof one. I've already plugged the Marriott and their their fine ironing board covers. Um, and the yeah, we're good. You can find me on AndroidCentral.com. There on, you go. Yeah, on the Twitters at Alex Doby. Um, yeah, search me on things. I'll be there. I will. Uh, I will take a photo of said ironing board. All right, you'll be able to find that on my Twitter at Andrew Martinick. You will not find that on Android Central. That is not the kind of <laughs> it content that we like to Depends how slow the rest of the show is. It might get to that. I could probably link it in the show notes, I think. Uh, just make it the hero image. You'll be able to find that at androidcentral.com slash podcast. Uh, if you're, you know, happen to be listening to this in some podca- podcatcher. <laughs> po- some podcatcher. A, a pod scratcher. Or on Google Home or something and you want to see this awesome iron board in, photo. in the far future on your LG washing machine. We'd like yes. to thank uh, Burgermeister here in Berlin <laughs> for yes, fueling us apologize for, for um, holding up the line. Didn't taking, apologize taking at the time, but I, 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 I didn't let's know. see if that... Let's see if taking a picture. See if that guy listens on the pod scratcher. All right, that is your IFA 2017 edition Pod scratch. <laughs> Pod scratch. This is divulging. Okay. We're done. Bye. Bye. It's also digressing. Bye.